Open up your notes on your phone. Give it a title, subtitle, From Becky. All right, you guys, give a one more time. Standing ovation welcome for Miss Becky Johnson. Let's go, everybody. You guys are awesome. Very cool. That was a good video, Joseph. I like it. All right. How are you guys doing? Did you get any sleep? Who slept really well? Who didn't sleep at all? Who's having, are you having like sleepovers? Are you guys hanging with your crews? You all just go back home? Did you get a hotel? Sleeping at the church? All of the above? All right, you guys ready for session two? I like that. Don't just listen, but lean in. Listen, you know what? You've got like, this is what you came for, right? So to check out, to not get all that there is to get all that God has for you, it's just a waste, right? I love events like this. I love coming. It's such an honor and a privilege because you're hungry. You're here for a reason. Whether you're hungry for Chick-fil-A or you're hungry for the Lord, you are hungry. And the beautiful thing about God is he meets us when we're hungry. He meets us where we're at. He meets the level of our expectation. So I just want to encourage you, if it's your first session here, you missed last night, there's something for you. And if last night, if you left feeling a little bit disappointed, if you left a little bit unsatisfied, if you left a little bit like, man, that's not what I thought it was going to be, you've got two more sessions. God's not done. There's more for you, so just get hungrier. Get more expectant, okay? And we're gonna go back into worship. So we've all got that going on, and this worship team's amazing. All right, so let's get right in. Go to uh, Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, I'll give you time to get there. And uh, if you are on your phone, no shame on a digital Bible, get a physical Bible. I love how you have amazing youth leaders here. Like some of, I, get, I have the privilege of going to youth events all around the country and I know a good youth team when I see it. And I just wanna tell you guys, these youth leaders, the ones sitting among you right now, the ones that Justin and the team are leading are some of the finest youth leaders. Because you know what I see? I don't see all the youth leaders just in one section. They're all dispersed throughout here, meaning they're in there with you. They care about you getting what God has for you, and that's just really incredible. So if you have a youth leader that cares about you, if you have a crew leader, you have someone who opens up their home and takes you to coffee and plays Mario Kart with you, you are just a very blessed, blessed young person. So I just want to, can we just give it up one more time for the youth team? You really got to thank your youth leader. Thank your youth leader. Don't wait till you're graduated. Don't wait till you're getting married. Don't wait till you're in college. Thank your youth leader now. Say thank them after this weekend. Say thank you for the investment. They're not sleeping, okay? They are, they're working hard. So I don't know where I was going with that. What did I was, was it? Oh, digital Bible. Uh, I was going to say hope. Where's hope? Hope's an incredible. Hope's incredible. Where is she? There she is. Give it up for hope. That was weak. Come on, guys. Hope was telling me that two, two young people uh, came to her yes, last night and they were like, Peggy was reading from a Bible. We want a physical Bible. The Bible we have, we can't understand. They're reading King James Version. It's basically like the original Greek and Hebrew. And so she, um, this is how I know you have a good youth leader team because she didn't say, okay, we'll get you some. She said, okay, and she opened up Amazon on her phone right then and there and ordered them Bibles. And so I just think that's so amazing. And so anyway, yeah, hope's incredible. So 
so if you don't, so here's what I was saying. If you don't have your physical Bible with you, you have your, your phone, I'm fine with a digital Bible, but give your neighbor permission right now. Just give them permission. You're going to look at them and you're going to nod yes if they have permission to nudge you, poke you in the ribs, jab your eye out. If you at all begin to linger to another app and get distracted in this service, I've got 20 minutes I think you can hang. You have spent, check your screen time. You've spent 20 minutes on TikTok today. You can hang with me for 20 minutes, okay? So give your neighbor permission real quick to just slap you upside the head if you linger. Uh, Go over to another app. All right, Romans chapter 11. This is Paul writing. We're gonna get into this scripture. Romans chapter 11. Here's what Paul says. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I'm an Israelite myself a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. What was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, say so too. At the present time, there is a remnant, say remnant, chosen by grace. And if it is by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were grace, it would no longer, if it were, then grace would no longer be grace. Let's read verse five again. So too, at the present time, say present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. I want to talk to you this morning about the chosen remnant about what it means, about why you're a part of it, or why you're choosing to not be. But have you ever had a situation where you looked around and you felt really hopeless? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like, maybe you felt, I'm too small, I'm too insignificant, I'm too like powerless to do anything about what's going on around me? Maybe you've ever felt that way before. You know what I love? I I get to tell this story here in Georgia because you all know about tornadoes. You know about tornadoes? I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Indiana. So do you know tornadoes? You didn't sound confident. Do tornadoes come to Georgia? Okay. Um, So, okay, so I tell this story elsewhere, and and California doesn't understand anything about tornadoes. They're, you know, sissies. So anyway, so so here's what happened. Um, I had a moment like this where I felt really insignificant. I felt really powerless. When you are in the middle of a tornado, you feel very small. And so my husband and I, we got married very young. Uh, We got married, we were 20 and 21. And we get married in Indiana, but we are going to go start our our lives together in California. So we get married, we say, I do, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you at the altar. We get married, and then our honeymoon journey, our honeymoon experience is going to be the five-day road trip from Indiana to California. So we we get in that car that... I told you about yesterday, it was not a nice car, it was a very unreliable car, it was an unsafe car, but this is all we could afford. We get in this car, you guys, and we begin to drive from Indiana to California. We're married, we're married for about 48 hours. And we hit Iowa. Illinois? Iowa. Idaho? One of the eyes. We hit one of those states, and there's a tornado that's touching down while we're driving through it. Now, it is, um, we're, we're, this is like when you listen to the radio in the car. And so we're listening to the radio, and there's news, newscasts all over, like, you know, 
14 dead on the road, on this interstate, tornadoes, you know, we're watching cows fly, like it's full on, like yellow sky, sideways rain, real tornado. And they're saying, you know, funnel, cl funnel clouds sighted here, here, and here. There's like three or four of them. So we're driving in the midst of this storm. You know the Sinclair gas station? Y'all have Sinclair, the dinosaur gas station? The dinosaur, we're driving past the Sinclair, and the dinosaur is laying down. Like it's sideways. Cars are pulled over everywhere, over of, under every overpass, there is a car pulled over because you cannot see. It's zero visibility. And the storm is getting worse and worse. And so I turn to my husband now and I say, honey, I think we should pull over and wait this storm out. And my husband had what we call YMD, young man disorder. <laughs> and he wants to prove to me, the woman he just married, that he can protect me. And he turns to me and he's like, babe, I got this. Wait, I guess he would turn this way, right? I got this. I'm going to drive us through safely through this tornado storm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We are not like TLC storm chasers. I'm not making a Nat Geo documentary on funnel clouds. I do not like to take risks. I am ve I'm a very nervous person. I don't like dangerous situations. I'm like, no, no, no. You are going to turn. You are going to pull over, and we're going to wait this storm out. Our car is doing this. We're like the only car out on the road. You cannot see that. Like, you can't see anything in front of you, right? So painting the picture. And I, I'm like, I can't do anything about this. I'm getting so scared. I can't convince this man that I have just committed my life to now realizing he's a psychopathic murderer who wants to kill me I can't convince him to pull over I'm calling his dad I'm like telling him this is what happens when you get married when you're a baby I'm like your son won't pull over he wants to kill us I'm you know I'm calling my mom I'm like mom goodbye the man I just married is gonna kill me and you know like making a big trip so anyway so we're driving and I get so scared you guys so I have this I have this picture still in my head I'm clutching the dashboard and I'm just like you know I'm trying to break on the passenger side you know and I'm like white knuckle gripping and my body starts to shake so adrenaline's just happening and fight or flight's going on and so I'm starting to tremble and all of a sudden my body takes over and I'm like Derek you have to pull over I'm going to bleep myself like my body's like you need to get to the bathroom the the is getting scared out of me <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying okay so he's like, are you serious? Oh my gosh, you know, we gotta keep going. I'm like, no, no, you have to pull over. So he pulls over to rest stop. I run to the bathroom, you know, I make it, praise God. I run to the bathroom and, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm in the rest stop bathroom, I win. I'm not, I'm not getting back in the car. So I lock myself in the stall. My husband, my husband's at the door, my sweet husband at the door of the women's bathroom. He's like, get, honey. Get back out here, you know, come on, we gotta get back in the car. I have women in the bathroom with me like, are you safe? Just blink twice if you need help. I'm like, you know, they're like, who is that man? Is he wanting to hurt you? Yes, he wants to hurt me. He wants me to get back in the car. I don't know who it is, you know. <laughs> anyway, we, uh, I ended up staying in the bathroom. We waited out the storm and you, Derek found out who was gonna be in charge for the rest of our marriage. But I felt really powerless in that moment, like tornadoes happening, I've got young man disorder, he wants to drive me through the storm, and I cannot do anything about what's going on. I just felt really insignificant. I don't know if you've ever felt really insignificant. Well, this story that Paul is telling us, he is actually referring to an Old Testament story in 1 Kings about a prophet named Elijah. Now, in 1 Kings, um, remember last night we talked about that time in Israel's history when everybody had forgotten about God and they had all these evil rulers? 
Remember we talked about Jezebel? So in Elijah's time, what's happening is Jezebel is ruling, and she is killing everybody who stands for God, and they're worshiping the false prophets. And Elijah's in the midst of that time, and he's in that generation, and he's standing for God, but she wants to kill him. Jezebel is after him for taking a stand you know, against her gods and standing up for, for, for Yahweh. And so Elijah's being hunted, and, and they're trying to kill him. And Elijah, in the midst of that time, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so like, I, you know, I can't do anything anything about this culture is really dark and I'm standing for God and they want to kill me and he's like God is there any hope like you for you've forgotten us it's not looking good in this time that Elijah is living in it's a really bleak time and I say that because it reminds me of the time that you're living in it is a bleak time in your generation. Like, we could just agree with that, right? We've got, we've got stats all over the place to tell us about how bad. You're the most biblically illiterate generation. You're deconstructing. Truth is fluid. There's divorce. There's suicide. There's depression. There's anxiety. It's a really dark generation, just like the really dark generation that Elijah was living in. And to be a Christian in your generation is a really risky stance to take. And to stand for God when Elijah was, was living was a really risky stance to take. And Paul paints all of that picture to remind us, hey, in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that culture, in the midst of everyone else forgetting who God was, there was hope because God had his hand on a remnant of people who refused to bow their knee to culture and society. And as long as there is a remnant, there is hope. You guys, I believe that I am looking at a modern day remnant. And in the midst of the darkness of the times, in the midst of the darkness of your generation, we could stand and say there is still hope because there is a remnant chosen by grace. God has placed his hand on a select few young people who are sold out to Jesus, who are sold out to holiness, who are still attending church, who are reading their Bible and standing for truth. So in the midst of this generation, we can have hope. And God is inviting you to be a part of that. You are the remnant chosen by grace that God has had his hand on. But to be a part of that remnant means a couple things. Listen, God's plan is the remnant. What is God's plan? How is God going to save the world? How is God going, God has God, how is God going to bring light to darkness? How is God going to bring revival? What is God's plan for your family? What is God's plan for your campus? What is God's plan for your generation? You want to like search the Bible like, God, what's your plan? He's like, you, you are my plan. You, madly in love with Jesus. You sold out to God's plans and purposes. You are his plan. You are the light in the darkness. Are you guys awake this morning? You are that plan. So you are this remnant. And so I want to talk to you. I've got very few minutes to talk to you about what does it look like to be a part of this because it means something. There's some qualities about the remnant. Last night I talked about the invitation to intimacy. God is just full of invitation. He's inviting you to be a part of that remnant. And that remnant, the remnant is, is by definition just a small group of people chosen for something, set apart for something. And so there's some qualities we're gonna talk about for the note takers of if I wanna be a part of this, if I wanna be a part of God's plan for my generation, if I wanna be a part of God's plan for the earth, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a part of the remnant? How can I be a part of God's hope? What are the qualities that they have? They're different. Point one, the remnant is different. The remnant, by definition, is a group of people going the other way of everyone else. The time that we're talking about where Elijah was in, it was actually, re it's repeated multiple times through scripture. This is what was happening. 
Every few years, people would begin to, to fall into sin and darkness again. Chaos would ensue and there would be all kinds of evils. And, and God's people would turn away from God and begin to get caught up in culture. It kept happening. And every time that cycle would happen, God would send hope. He would send the prophets to be a voice of hope to point people back to God. And those prophets would always talk about the remnant. God's plan when darkness falls, God's plan when, when sin begins to run rampant, God's plan when, when culture begins to go haywire is the remnant. It's a group of people who are going the other way of everyone else. It's a group of people who are not bowing their, their knee to culture. So the remnant is different. You are called to be different, you guys. It's really hard to be different. Do you know why? Because it's hard to not do the popular thing. It's just hard. Advertisers have a trick. They don't actually have to convince you that a product is good. They just have to convince you that it's popular. So they'll use words like, uh, you don't watch infomercials anymore, but back when I was in middle school and we had, you know, I didn't, I, we didn't have any money growing up, so I just watched a bunch of public access television late at night. And so after all the shows would be on and be hanging out with friends, like past one in the morning on TV, there would just be infomercials. You all know what an infomercial is? It's just a very extended commercial about a product that nobody needs, okay? And so infomercials for things like the ShamWow or the Miracle Mop or the salad genie, and I'm, I kid you not, infomercials have a trick. So in an infomercial, they'll say, this is the fastest selling mop on the market, backed by popular demand. There is a limited availability. And so they're just trying to paint this picture, like this is the thing that everybody wants. They don't so much have to convince you that it's good quality. They don't have to so much convince you that you need it. They're just trying to convince you, hey, this is really popular. And something in the human heart begins to respond and, and drool and yearn for what everybody else has. I'm like 14 years old. I'm like, I need that mop. I got to have that mop. Every, I am not complete if I don't have that mop. Like I got, mama, you got to get me a mop. I will mop the floors. I'll mop your car. I'll mop my face. Like I need that mop, mom. Everybody has that mop. Okay. You know, like your 2 a.m. Dorito days, drinking Mountain Dew. I'm just like, yeah, 1999 plus shipping and handling. But wait, there's more. I'm also going to get a ShamWow. I need a ShamWow. I need OxyClean. I need a salad genie. <laughs> this is what infomercials do to you. And so it's hard for us to not do the popular thing. But listen, it is not how the kingdom of God works. Popularity in the kingdom of God does not equal holiness. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it's beneficial. Just because someone has influence does not mean they're anointed. Just because it's what everybody else is doing doesn't mean it's what you should be doing. The kingdom of God is an opposite kingdom of the world. So in the kingdom of God, popularity doesn't mean anything. And so the remnant understands this. To be a part of the remnant means I might not be popular, but that's okay. To be part of the remnant means I'm different, but that's what I'm called to. The most popular thing on the internet is one of the single most destructive things hitting relationships today. Popularity is not a measure of holiness. Popularity is not a measure of what's beneficial. You have to, you have to understand this because it's the, the, lie per, the lie invading is, hey, if it's popular... Hey, if it's influential, hey, if it's got a high light count, hey, if it's got a lot of followers, it must be good. 
But this isn't how, this isn't how God works. And the law in society that's like, hey, you have to be like everyone else to be accepted. You have to dress like this. You should listen to this. You should weigh this much. You should watch this. You should follow this. That lie that's attacking this generation will rob you of being part of God's plans and purposes for your life. Because God's plan and purpose for your life requires you to be different. Look to your neighbor say, you're different. You ever done something just because everybody else was doing it? Praise God, my time just keeps going up. You ever done something because everybody else was doing it? Yeah, like that never works out. No, I have rarely heard a story that's like, well, everyone else was doing it and it was pretty awesome. Like I've just never really, you know, it's like, yeah, I did that, everybody else was doing it, I, I shouldn't have done that. So can I tell you a really embarrassing story? Yes, ma'am. We, uh, my husband, I'm going to tell a lot of stories. We, we dated young, so I have, I have about f- six years of really dumb stories, which is really good for my preaching career. So I first met him. I'm 15 years old. He's 17, and there's not a lot to do in Indiana, like, at all. I don't know. Like, they were like, oh, this is, a, you know, Albany's, like, really small, and what is it, 60, we looked it up, 60,000 people, and I was like, okay, yeah, where I'm from, 847 people. It's a township, like it's a tiny little town, a tiny little baby town in Indiana. Okay, so there's not much to do there. So there is this theme park in Indiana called Indiana Beach, and it's a really little amusement park. And literally on the billboard, on the advertisement for Indiana Beach is Indiana Beach. There's more than corn in Indiana. I was like, no, actually, that's, that's a lie because there is not anything but corn in Indiana. So, so we're teenagers, and, and I'm dating Derek, and I want to impress him. We've just been dating for a couple of weeks, and he's like, hey, we're going to go to Indiana Beach, and my friends and I, you want to come, and it's just a bunch of guys. Girls, you're going to have some empathy for me here. I'm 15 years old, and I get in the car of 17-year-old guys, and I go to this amusement park. And at the amusement park, there's a really popular haunted house, and it's about the only cool thing at the amusement park because it's Indiana, right? Now, there's two people in the world. There's people who like to be scared, and there's people who don't. I am the don't. I do not enjoy being scared. I hate scary movies. I hate thrill rides. I don't like haunted houses. I don't enjoy the feeling of being scared, okay? My husband loves it. There's those sick people. Y'all got something wrong with you where you, like, love the jolt and the jump and the scare. So he and his friends love it. So I'm not going to tell my boyfriend that I'm trying to impress that I don't like haunted houses when he's so excited about going to this haunted house with me. So I'm like, okay, I get in line, and now I know I don't like haunted houses. And he thinks, you know, he's like, this chick's so cool. She's going to go to this haunted house with me. So we're in line for the haunted house, and you can hear people going through, and you just hear screams coming from it, just screams. And I guess for Indiana, it's a pretty legit haunted house because they, like, put a bunch of, you know, money towards it. So it's not some dinky little thing. It's got like multiple levels and it takes a while to get through. And I'm just in line and I'm just listening to people screaming. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. And we're inching closer to the line and I'm like, okay, all right. Now about halfway through the line, I think, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to pee. I'll hold it. It's fine. We get to the haunted house. We get, you know, now I'm really nervous. Derek thinks I'm awesome because I'm going to do this haunted house with him. And his friends are like, dude, your girlfriend's so cool. Like, uh." And so we get in there. And the first thing, the first feature of the haunted house is called the hallway of rats. 
Now, another thing I'm very terrified of is every time I tell this story, I realize how much fear I have in my life, and I'll be receiving prayer after this. So I hate rats. I don't like mice. I don't like rats. I have a bit of a phobia. And this hallway is all blacked out, and in the hallway, they have simulated rats going down the walls, over the ground, and up. So you're just in this pitch black hallway, and you hear like the rat sound and the scratching, and then these little animatronic rats go down the hall, and, and so you're like stepping on them or over them, and it just feels like they're all over. So we get in, first thing. Now they go over, they say before you get into the haunted house, they're like, hey, there's emergency exits every couple feet if you get too scared and you need to leave. It's, it's that bad. So we get into the hallway, I'm behind Derek, and, and the rats, you know, and, and it starts to happen, and I just begin to really lose it. I'm like, oh, no, 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 like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I'm out, no dice. And so just out of instinct, I jump onto Derek's back, because I don't want the rats to, to claw my eyes out. And so I'm like, ah, and I start screaming, and I really start to freak out, and Derek's laughing. He's like, you're hilarious, this is so funny. I'm like, no, no, this is not funny, we have to exit the haunted house, like, pull the cord, no, no. No, no, we got to get out. Not okay. I'm not doing good. He is laughing so hard he can't move forward. He's like cracking up. He's like, get off my back. What are you doing? Come on. We got, you know, we have the rest of the haunted house. I'm like, no, 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 no. You really got to go. Like, listen, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm really freaked out. And he's going and like, you know, a zombie pops out and whatever else. And I'm like, hey, you got to go to the emergency exit. He goes, okay, 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 we'll go. And as he's stepping towards the emergency exit, that, that bathroom break I should have taken on my boyfriend's back. I pee. I just got so scared, my body just, whatever, and I pee my pants on my boyfriend's back. Now Derek stops and he's like, what's warm? And I'm like, I don't know, I think part of the haunted house was like, I think they, they poured warm water. <laughs> I don't know, what is, <laughs> And like I peed. He's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we leave the haunted house. And Derek was very sweet. We broke up right after that. No. He was very sweet. We found a change of clothes and uh, he didn't tell anybody. But that is the truth, girls. You feel me? Like, just sit with that most embarrassing moment, right? And the guys are like, she's disgusting. I've, she's lost us. But here's the thing. Here's how I make that spiritual. Many of us are going into haunted spaces. You're going into dark places that you do not belong. God is not there with you. It is not part of his plans and purposes. And the only reason you're in that dumb situation and that stupid dark space is because everybody else was doing it. And you're gonna pee on your boyfriend's back. The remnant's different. The remnant knows their identity. Point number two, the remnant. If you're gonna be a part of this, this thing that God wants to ignite, this thing that God wants to do, this transformation that God is calling you to, you have to know who you are. And this point is really quick and it's really simple because listen, there's only one way to find out who you are. There's only one way to find your identity. There's only one way to find out who God has created you to be, and it is by immersing yourself in the word of God. It is not another celebrity. It is not another Enneagram type. It is not a personality test. It is not a quiz. It is not a TikTok influencer. It is not another video you need to watch. The only thing that has the right to define who you are is the Bible, and the only reason you're confused is because you're too lazy to 
do the work to dig into scripture and find out what God says about you. There is no reason that any young person should be like, well, I just don't really know who I am. So like I just, I'm just whoever my boyfriend says I am. Well, I'm just like whoever they say I am. Like I just don't really know. I'm whoever the team says I am, dog. I can't do a, I can't do a guy because I'm not a guy, right? I'm perfecting that. I don't know. I don't know what I'm called to. I don't know who I am. I don't know. I don't know. I feel purposeless. I feel hopeless. I'm not living up to my identity because I don't even know my identity, and I don't know where to get it, and it's just really hard. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. First Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The Bible is filled with identity. It is a book of who you are. The only reason that you are confused about who you are is because you have not done the work. It's easy, it's accessible, it is in print, young person. I am here to challenge you. God knows exactly who he created. Do the work, find out who you are. Don't settle for purposeless, identity-less, visionless feelings when it is right here for you. Is that too hard? Did I come on too strong for you guys? It is important that you understand who you are, you guys, because you are just, you're just being who everybody else says you should be. It's not working. My daughter, she's nine now, but when she was four, we're first-time parents, and she's four years old, and she got her first really high fever. And as a new mom, I was pretty nervous, and I knew that fevers were bad if they got to a certain, certain you know, temperature. And so I've kind of, you know, if you haven't, if you don't, if you can't tell, I'm a pretty nervous person, and I, you know, I'm a planner, and I don't like worst case scenario. And so I get really nervous, and I'm thinking, okay, I know if, like, I know if fever is really, you know, I'm Googling. What happens if a fever gets too high? I'm like, okay, brain damage. Like, brain damage could happen. Like, her brain could get so hot that it melts and comes out of her ears. Like, this is, you know, and I don't want this to happen. And her fever is getting really hot for days, you know, three days, four days, around five days. It's like 104, and she's little. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now I'm looking out. I'm calling the pediatrician, and he's like, just, you know, watch for these signs, but she's okay. And, And I'm like looking in her ears every couple hours. Is the brain melting? Is it coming out? Like, are you okay, Lucy? And my husband's just calm, cool, and collected, right? He's the man who drove through a tornado. He's the man who had his girlfriend pee on his back. Like, he's cool, you know? So he's not worried at all. He's like, she's fine. She's fine. Put some ice on it, you know? I'm like, no, she's not okay. Her brain's going to melt and come out of her ears. And so so one, one night, she gets up 2 in the morning. She's crying, and she's all hot. And, and I'm just like, okay, I'm really nervous, and I want to ask her some questions. I want to make sure her brain is still intact. I want to make sure this fever isn't giving her brain damage. And I'm like, I want to ask her some questions. So we give her some water. I give her some medicine. And then I'm like, hey, do you know where you are? She goes, yeah, I'm in the living room. Do you know who I am? Yeah, you're mama. I hold up her little stuffed bunny. Who's this? She's like, bunny. And then I just think, I'm going to ask her if she knows her name. I don't know why. I just want to ask her and make sure. And I'm going to lob, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give her a, a I'm going to like lob it. I say, Lucy, do you know your name? Lucy, you know, that's a hint. Do you know your name? And she looks at me with her big, beautiful blue eyes, all in red cheeks, and she's like, yeah, I'm flute. 
and my husband's, he sprouted wings. We like flew to the emergency room. He scooped her up. We ran to the car. We don't even have shoes on. And we took her to the emergency room immediately. The minute Lucy forgot her name, it was a warning sign that something wasn't right. Young person, when you forget who you are called, when you forget what God has named you, there is a warning sign that something is wrong and you better have some friends who care about you enough to pick you up and rush your dumb self to the emergency room of scripture and say, you are acting outside your calling. You are acting outside your identity. I don't know if you know this, but you're called to something else. Don't you know who your name is? The remnant knows their identity. And the only person that has a right, the only voice with the right to give you identity is God. The remnant is always the few. Taking, point, taking notes, point three, the remnant is always the few. Guys, you got to get comfortable with this. This is the, around that same thing of it's, it's not popular. It's, the remnant is never the masses. you got to make you got to get familiar. You got to make friends with the fact that if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be a part of what God has called me to be a part of, if I'm really going to live for Him, I'm probably often going to be among the few. That's the point. The remnant, not the large group. The remnant, the few, the chosen. It's never the masses. You know why? Because God doesn't need the masses. God doesn't need your whole campus going after him. He needs you committed to prayer Friday night before the football game. God doesn't even need your whole family going to church. He needs you taking a stand for him, praying for your family that they would come to know Jesus, making the stand to go to church, making different choices. He doesn't need all of your friends. He needs you committed to holiness. He needs you. That is what can ignite a change. Guys, revival has always started with the few. Always, large movements, the, the civil rights movement, the, the women's right to vote. Um, there's all these, Harvard Business Review actually did a study on large movements because it's such a phenomenon. Like what happens that brings such massive change? You could even read about what's happened in, in revivals in, in history in, in the church. And this is what the Harvard, this is a secular thing. The Harvard, Harvard Business Review did all of this study and it said the strength, this is what it concluded, the strength of a movement is not large crowds, but small groups. So Paul's writing to the Romans and he's like, is hope lost because Israel, God's chosen people, have forgotten about God? And he said, hey, the temptation might be to believe that hope is gone because the chosen people of God himself, they are not following him. So what is hope for the world? And Paul is like, hold on, would you say that all hope is lost because Israel has forgotten God? Absolutely not. How come? Because there is a remnant. There is a few chosen by grace. You are 150 youth in the middle of this town that have not forgotten about who God is. He doesn't need all your friends. He doesn't need your whole campus. He doesn't need your whole family. He needs you. So when you feel alone, when you feel like, gosh, am I the only one making this decision? Am I the only one walking away from these things? Am I the only one committed to holiness? Am I the only one that knows my identity? Am I the only one that doesn't care about popularity? You better go, thank you, God, that you are using me to ignite a change in my generation because I'm the only one, but you only need one. So the remnants, you're just not going to find yourself among the masses. 
good. That's where God shows up best. And the remnant is willing to sacrifice. Final thing. It's a group of people willing to follow God at any cost. Elijah, he stood in the midst of pressure. You think it's, you think it's hard to follow God now? This was life and death for Elijah. This wasn't just like social suicide. This wasn't just like, you're not gonna be very cool. You're not gonna be invited. You're not gonna be very liked. They're gonna gossip about you. This is like, we're gonna cut your head off, okay? So listen, the Bible understands what it is to stand for God in the midst of pressure. Like there is a story in here relevant to you if you feel like, well, you don't really know what it's like. You don't really know what it's like to, to be around the kind of pressure that I'm around to not stand for God's holiness. Elijah, it was life and death for him. But the remnant is willing to follow God at any cost. He could be killed. He didn't care. Nothing inside of him was willing to compromise. And this is the marking quality of those that are after God. The marking quality of them is an unwillingness to compromise and a willingness to follow God. Just like Jehu, willing to step away from the crowd, willing to step away from the reputation, willing to step away from status, willing to step away from comfort. He was willing to step away at any cost. Elijah, willing to stand for God at any cost. And over and over in the Bible, we see stories of people who are in the midst of pressure are willing to stand for God at any cost. Are you willing? To stand for God at any cost, you've got to find the unwillingness to compromise. You're called to be holy. It's not impossible. God says, be holy for I am holy. Holiness doesn't mean all the things I don't do. It means all the things I do choose. And here's the thing. I can't preach that into you, and you can tell I'm up here trying. I can't small group that into you. I can't curriculum that into you. You've got to find an encounter with the spirit of the living God, and you've got to get something inside of you. You need to set your face towards holiness and say, I am unwilling to compromise. I am unwilling to look at that. I am unwilling to talk about that. I am unwilling to partake of this. I am unwilling to pollute myself with the world because I am set apart. I am consecrated. I am living for God. This is what it is to be a part of the remnant. And you know, you might be like, uh, chill girl, we're not like worshiping false idols. We're not sacrificing children. We're not like, it's not that bad. You need to chill. Well, about the idols of social media, about the idol of celebrity. Some of you have the idols of shoes. Some of you have idols of money, popularity, you have, you've made an idol out of the way other people see you. You worship other people's opinions. That is false worship. Worship is anything that takes your attention. That's what it is. You can find what you worship by following the trail of your time. You can find what you worship by following the trail of your time. Money, entertainment, food, right? We worship other things. Worship or think, it's anything that takes the attention and the affection of our heart. That is what we worship. So it's absolutely 
Important to recognize, the enemy is trying to water down this concept, like, uh, it's not that bad, like, uh, you can have a little bit of this and God. You could have one foot in the world, you could have one foot in the kingdom. Like, you know, you don't need to be so extreme. And so what he's done is he's watered it down and it's like, now we're all about a culture of grace and it's like, oh, don't be legalistic and don't be religious. But it's actually stealing the plan and purposes of God for your life because there is a decision to make. It's not a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Jesus came, he drew a line in the sand. He says you either love God or you love the world. You don't have a little bit of both. You either serve me or you serve the God of money. You don't have a little bit of both. And so you have a choice to make. What will I worship? I had the privilege of a, a parent asked me when I was a youth pastor to take her uh, daughter and boyfriend to a Khalid concert. Khalid, am I saying that right? Young, dumb, and broke. Young, dumb, and broke. Young, dumb, and broke. Got it? In your head? Yeah? Okay. No? You're giving me dead face, Georgia. Do you guys know who this is? Okay. All right, so... So now listen, I, I say, okay, I, I'll do my part, and I love, these, I love these guys, and they're, now listen, they go to my youth group consistently, they're there, I'm about to wrap up, worship team can get ready, I'm about, um, they, they go consistently, but I was, and as a youth pastor, I was always really challenging our students to express themselves in worship, because the Bible says um, you sing, and you clap, and you dance, it's an actual command, like use your physical body to express your love to God, and so that's what I would always challenge them, like, hey guys, worship's not a personality type, like you gotta come on, come forward, make, make some expression to God in your worship, right? And now this, this couple who was very consistent, they were like, well, it's just not our personality. Like, we're just not like that. And we can worship God like here in the back. And so like, don't be so religious. And like, you're kind of turning us off. And like, we're gonna leave this youth group kind of thing, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, I, I wanna recognize that. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, worship's not a personality type. But, but they, can, they were like, well, that's just not everybody. And they would kind of always give me some feedback because you guys love to give feedback, you know? And I love that. And uh, so they're like, hey, you kind of like make people feel bad. Like, you know, we're not all like that one and, and that's okay. And I was trying to kind of understand, but, but at the same time, it never quite settled with me. So I take that couple and worship this couple. Right? That couple in worship. I take them to a Khalid concert. And so we get there, and it's a big arena, and they're getting excited. And, you know, half the time, I was really there to take pictures. You know, I'm taking pictures, and she's like, delete it. I don't like that wrong angle. And I'm like, okay, trying to get it. I had to go get a photography license to take pictures of, you know, that made her feel good. And so anyway, so I go, and so we get there, and we're up in the nosebleeds, and they're so excited, and the room is electric. Now, this couple, it's not their personality to get all crazy in church. So I shouldn't have made them feel bad about that. Remember, it's this couple. I'm worshiping. This is my worship. I love God. Don't judge me. This is my worship. This is my worship. Right? That couple. It's not their personality. Khalid. The lights go down. They're getting excited. Oh my gosh. Bass hits, fog, lights, and whatever production he had going on, the man's shadow comes out on the walkway. Like they worked it out to where you didn't see him first. It was just his shadow. I'll never forget. 
his shadow of his leg comes out from behind the curtain and hits the ground and the first note drops. And the couple who said, I made them feel bad because it just wasn't their personality to get crazy for God or be expressive in worship. The shadow of a secular pop star hits the stage and they erupt in worship. Oh my gosh, Colleen, yes, oh my gosh, And I watched a stadium full of young people who probably said, it's not our personality to get crazy about God in the church, lift their hands to a man. They were worshiping. Worship team can come on up. I never, I was never the same after that moment. I got ignited with a fire in me to tear down the lies of the enemy over your generation. You say it's not your personality to get crazy at the weekend or to get crazy at Wednesday night youth group, but go to an Eagles game. Go to a basketball game. What does it look like? Some of y'all get more worshipful over a Fortnite tournament in your living room in your underwear eating flaming Hot Cheetos than you do when the music comes on to lift high the name of Jesus. The man who saved you and died for you. It's not a personality type. And the remnant understands this. I'm not willing to compromise my worship for what's comfortable for my generation. I'm not willing. Would you stand up? You're invited to be a part of this. Are you willing to sacrifice your time? Are you willing to sacrifice your reputation? Are you willing to sacrifice your comfort? Are you willing to sacrifice your scrolling habits? Are you willing to sacrifice your obsession with what other people think of you? The remnant is willing to sacrifice. And here's the thing, you've gotta, you've gotta say yes. You've gotta say, I'm willing to be a part of a group of people that will stand in the midst of a hopeless generation and say, there is hope because there is me. I know my identity. I'm okay with, with not being a part of the masses. I'm okay with being different and I am unwilling to compromise. You're called to this, every single one of you. Let me just tell you, every single one of you. Some of you don't quite connect with that language. Like, hey, God wants to use you to ignite a transformation. And you're like, I don't really think me. Yes, you, every single one of you. God didn't breathe life into your lungs for no reason. You're a part of his dream to bring heaven to earth. You're a carrier of heaven to earth. You're an ambassador of his kingdom to earth. That is why your decisions matter. That's why your presence matters. That's why your speech matters. Because you were called to infiltrate the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of heaven. All of you. You know, and the Bible paints this picture. You're leaven, you're salt, you're spread out. You're an influence. You're a city on a hill. You're a light. Don't put it under a basket. You, every single one of you, no matter what your race or creed or language or age or gender, you are called to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But you got to be a part of that remnant. And you got to say yes. If you want to say yes, come forward. We're going to worship. We're going to ask God to anoint us. We're going to ask God to call us. We're going to ask God to mark us. You're here this weekend to get marked. You're here this weekend 
Someone's going to take this. You're here this weekend for God to put his flavor all over you, for God to put his anointing on you, for God to grace you. You're here this weekend to get free. Some of you got to get free. You know what worship's about? You know how we sing songs like, I thank God, and we say, get up out of that grave? We're saying, come on, shake off those shackles. Get out of that dead thing that you've been living in and jump up and down. You got to know it's not about a show. It's not about just uh, singing songs. There's something that's happening in your spirit. And you know the thing about the presence of God? You can't change, you can't leave the presence of God the same. The very nature of the presence of God, shh, the very nature of the presence of God changes things. This is what God does. He breathed and the earth was formed. He breathed and we became human. So God's breath creates. So if you need something created in your life today, breathe the breath of heaven. Breathe in the presence of God. If you, I'm just telling you, even if you don't feel it, you're going to leave this room in 15 minutes changed. Because the presence of God is here, so you can't leave the sink. The presence of God changes things. It moves things around. It breaks things off. It shifts things. It's putting things inside of you. So I just want to stir your faith. Just close your eyes. Close your eyes and just begin to invite God. And if you, if you said yes, I'm assuming that you're up here because you said yes. I want to be a part of that. Yes. I want